just a trigger warning for today's episode that we will be diving into topics of sexual assault. If that is not something you need to hear today, please feel free to park this, come back to it another time, or just skip this ep. We love you. Love you. Why is there a jar of pickle juice by your bed? Do you know what? I might be pregnant. Don't even. Nah, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm no, joshing. For real, why is it there? No, I don't know. I could be pregnant. No, I'm not pregnant. Why, why do you keep saying Okay, that? I have a problem where... Like a chocolate bar, yeah. never been one of those people who can open and have one cube and then put it back in the fridge. Sure. I'm an all or nothing gal. Yep. I told myself I was going to have one pickle, neck minute, gone. But you brought the entire jar up to your bed? Yeah, because I was eating my feelings. Okay. Well, are you okay? I'm okay. okay. Let's do this. A we have a thousand things to do, but we'd rather chat to you. With emails and meetings and husbands and kids, we don't have time for this. Just what you need to basic bitches with a podcast. Hello and welcome to We Don't Have Time For This. I'm your host, Gemma Pranita, a.k.a. Gemma underscore peanut on the gram. Oh, underscore. I went rogue on the gram, along with my co-host, Revs. My, oh my, what a wonderful day. Thank you for joining us on Winge FM with GP and the Revzinator. Ah! High vibes today. High vibes and ready to whinge. We've both had a lot of caffeine. I've doubled up. I've done Coca-Cola and Weak Mocha. How are you post-launch? Do you know what? I had that post-launch come down Mm -hmm. where there was all this build-up to get everything ready for this launch. And, you know, you have all the fears that come with a launch, Mm -hmm. such as, is my website going to crash? Yep. As soon as we launched, Em and I were on cloud nine over the reception. Everyone has been so generous. We're sharing their excitement about it, which is amazing. But then Em and I both got sick. Oh, of course. It was like we were both holding it together, holding it together. Yeah. We've launched. Blah. Yeah, and then it all comes out. Yep, so I'm nursing a cold today. Oh, God. It never ends. And you'll probably get sick because we still share a microphone. A microphone in a small cupboard with no ventilation. Yeah. So love that for me. Can't wait. Can't wait to be sick as a dog. Quickly go and pop some armor force. All right, that shit is good. No, my mum swears by it. Yeah. If I could swallow tablets, I would totally have some. <laughs> what? For real? You know this about me. No, but me. still, like you've given birth and you still can't swallow a tablet. Babe, you know that folic acid that you're meant to take three months before you try to conceive yeah, yeah. and throughout your pregnancy? I had to order special folic acid gummy bears from America. I paid $80 for oh shipping. Oh my God. Because you can't get them in Australia. So what do you like in foreplay it's a problem yeah or is it hot (laughs) i don't know what your (laughs) husband is into but is what hot your gag reflex yeah this is weird why Why are we talking about we need to ask him but is it something you can uh get around if you will i can't do this knowing my mum and dad listen to this potty oh they know what you get up to oh look What's a blowjob? What's a blowjob between friends and family? Hubs <laughs> would be like, what blowjobs? Ah, uh, okay. What are they? You've said it all. You can't order those from the US with $80 shipping. Ain't that the truth? Or can you? <laughs> I have a problem. I cannot swallow tablets. I struggled to swallow the contraception pill. Now, we know how small that is. I think that pill is the size of half a pinky nail. Yeah, you could almost trick yourself that it wasn't there. Nah. Nah. I gag. How do you go at the dentist? It's a problem. <laughs> All these things are problems in my life. 
I didn't plan to air them today on the podcast. <laughs> I feel like I will be judged. You're such a special snowflake. I, I love am. you. Can I just say, I got a funny DM from a dear listener. She said, hi, Gemma, longtime follower, hardcore potty fan. Just wanted to say, I must admit, I thought, God, Gem's whinging a lot over the launch of a journal. Oh. And then she said, I take it back. I didn't realize you were launching an entire course plus a journal. Oh my God. Not that launching a journal is a small thing either. Yeah, that is no easy feat. No. But she very kindly said, whinge away your whinging is warranted so thank you doors open let's go (laughs) let's have a big whinge I don't have much to whinge about this week I love it when you come in and celebrate your wins well I don't have any wins but I don't have any losses so you're just neutral (laughs) I'm just neutral oh equilibrium that's quite a nice place to be in I know I should touch wood because like no nits no worms no vomiting oh god oh god what have I done yeah you're gonna fuck yourself oh god well I am about to get sick oh yeah Obviously, yeah, 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 as yeah. we've talked about. Yeah. That's going to be fun. Should we just pash to confirm it? Let's just make get it, it happen. Done. Yeah. <laughs> Is that how you pash? <laughs> I'm trying to make sounds. Gross. <laughs> I'm trying to make I'm sound sorry, effects. but that just took me right back to my very first kiss. When I was in year seven, it was with a boy. Hello, Tristan. Hello, Tristan. We were watching Godzilla. Oh, hot. Nothing like a big reptile <laughs> breaking down the city to get you in the mood. <laughs> Do you remember those days when you went to a movie with a guy you're really into and you spend two thirds of the whole oh. movie doing the slow lean-in oh my towards God. each other? so long. And then like suddenly your pinkies are touching oh, and then eventually your forearms are touching and no one's watching the film. All you're no. thinking about is this electric chemistry of your skin touching and then your face is like, I have this distinct memory slowly turning my face in his direction and seeing him do the same. Anyway, we got to the pash. It was like a washing machine making out with a dryer. Oh no, who are you? The dryer. (laughs) He honestly got his saliva all the way up to the bridge of my nose. Oh my God, I remember this. Yes, and you know when saliva dries, it stinks. It was so disgusting. And his tongue was just going, just like round and round and round in circles. And I think a bit of teeth came into play. And I was like, I am not here for this, but act like I'm here for this because this is what we do don't we we don't performative eroticism I don't even know sure I wonder if you were his first kiss I actually don't know if I I was or wasn't I hope you were no technique no game but how do you get technique do you need someone to be like okay okay this is not working and teach you or is it just that there's a pot for every lid and someone would be into Tristan washing machine (laughs) you just got to find your pash match I think you could be right there is nothing worse in the world than a bad kisser oh it's utterly deflating yeah teeth is a problem for me yeah when people kiss with their teeth I don't know how would one even do that no they're just getting in there it all comes down to rhythm mm-hmm. like it's a bit of a dance don't you think mm-hmm. that tonsil hockey it's like tonsil hockey. I'll whack it to you you whack it to me I love a good pash it's been a while huh yeah I do think when you get together with someone after you're out of the honeymoon stage the pashing is one of the first things to go don't you reckon like yeah. you could have sex without a single pash I know well because there's no like lead up to anything anymore I know know. it's like you like it like this I I like like it like that that. stick it in there boom (laughs) let's watch MasterChef (laughs) (laughs) remember the days when a pash was enough oh yeah like all you'd do is pash yeah and you'd just be like 
cup full for weeks, just yep. walking on air, just dancing through school, scribbling in your year 10 diary or whatever. And that was just all you needed. You know, Hubs and I, when we first got together when we were 28, I have this fond memory of us pashing on every street corner in New York City. Mm. And it was hot. Yeah. Where did that go? We need to get back Bring to that. Bring it back. Just pash on a street corner in fresh water. You'll be like, what are you doing? Where's the pram going? You're sick, bitch. Get off me. Can you imagine driving down humble suburb of fresh water and seeing a couple of 30-something-year-olds just macking out on the corner? I mean, I'd love that. I would be happy to see that. I would totally rub a neck out the window. Yeah, I'd probably clap. I'd be like, yes, you get yours. Get it. Get it. So, Rebsy, yes, there's been a strong request to have our mums on the potty. How are we going to get them on? Well, first of all, we probably need to invest in another microphone yeah, to start yeah, yeah. with. Technical difficulties <laughs> aside, we do need to get the mums on. In case you missed it, my mum did a retraction mm-hmm. on our Instagram stories. She wanted to declare loud and clear that she does not approve underage sex. Speaking of teenage pashing at the movies. <laughs> she said that she was concerned that I was alluding to the fact that when I was allowed to have boys stay over at 13 that the subtext was that I was having sex from 13 no I said what I meant I was always allowed to have boys stay over since the age of 13 and I just meant sleeping over yeah but my mum was like everyone's gonna think that I was letting you have sex under my roof at 13 well you know what your mum is like goals to me with that still same utter goals I was trying to say this to her that we were like preach we love you we want to be half the parent you were while raising teenagers yes but yeah she got all like no Jem you can't say that I wonder what you're going to be like when you have teenagers because quite often it's a reaction to what your parents are like even if you respect it and think it was cool I wonder if when you get there you'll be like uber strict fuck no (laughs) but it's that thing as well when you think back to your teens and how young you were it's not until you're older and then you see a 15 year old and you're like what was I doing you are a baby and oh god at 15 I was oh and (laughs) god it's so cringy (laughs) yeah I look at a 15 year old and I'm like, shit, babe. Yeah. You're a baby. You're a little baby. But we didn't feel that at the time, did we? We felt so ready. Know it all, There were girls who got into it a lot younger than us. For sure. I feel like we were like, bang on. 15? I think I was 16. I don't think I was ready. No? I definitely feel like I did it because people were talking about it and people were starting to mm. get into that side of things. You had and FOMO. I'm... Classic you. So on brand for you to have FOMO and be like, I guess I better lose my virginity because everyone else is doing it. I wouldn't say FOMO. I'd say pressure. Oh, what? Yeah. From who? Not from me. No, not from friends, but more just I put pressure on myself to keep up. Oh, no. I know. It's awful. Oh, gosh. How are we going to protect our babies from this? Oh, gosh. We just have to tell them they're enough. They're enough. Yes. They don't need to perform or... Or there's no time to be ready. That being ready is on your own clock. Oh, I didn't know that you felt that way. I do. I reflect and I'm like, shit, yeah, I totally just did that just because, oh, everyone's doing it. I probs should. Yeah. And then, of course, the guy who I lost my virginity to was so up for it. Not obviously. I just think there would be a lot of boys out there who are fucking terrified of that. Yeah. You're right. Just like there are differences in girls. Some girls are super sex positive and ready for it and up for it and excited. And some boys are too. But then, of course, like there's girls that are scared and, you know, not ready. There must be boys who aren't as well. Oh, my God, of course. who don't know what to fucking do. Yeah. And let's be honest, at that stage, the boy has to do everything. Yeah, they really do. What's the girl do? Just kind of go, okay, <laughs> go for it. <laughs> yeah. You couldn't pay me to go back. No. Nah. Nah. I do reckon, though, with porn, 
I do reckon, though, with accessibility to porn these days, that boys will get it faster. No, they'll think they have to do weird shit. I guess there's a fine line. Okay, let's strip it back to basics. Like, basic foreplay and then, let's say, missionary sex. Okay. I don't think there's any porn that's like, basic foreplay and missionary sex. Click here. It's got, like, one hit. No, there is. Is there? Yeah. There's, like, passion-based porn. Oh, okay. And it's quite sensitive. Yeah, right. Because some people like that. There's something for everyone on the interwebs. Of course. But I do feel like simple things like foreplay, I have some stories from friends where some boys got that shit so wrong. Like, weren't even close to the area that they should have been in. Oh, dear. I know. Oh, sweet little boys. I know. Well, hopefully they get a bit more of an education. Let's hope. That's not our job, is it? We can't teach our boys. No! (laughs) Cunnilingus. Oh, my God. No, we really can't. No. Oh, you can't even teach them. I guess you can teach them the anatomy. Oh my God, they'd cringe so hard. And mm-hmm. I guess this is just not going to be our realm. No, it's not. Some things you just can't teach your kids, I guess. No, we'll just be teaching the safe sex. And just hope for the best. And consent. Consent and like listen to your partner. Yes. Surely you can sort of teach the importance of the female orgasm. Yeah. I guess you could weave that into a sex talk, couldn't Absolutely. you? Absolutely. talking about safe sex. It's not just about like, you know, my mum nailed the sex talk. Did she? How did she go about it? Nailed it. It was like three sentences. Actually, it wasn't even the sex talk. It was just this conversation. It is burnt vividly into my mind. I remember it so well. We were coming back from swimming. I was sitting in the back of the car next to my sister. Wait, how old were you? I have no idea. I'm going to guess 11. Okay, that's quite late. I don't. We already had the talk. This was like a question I asked. Okay. Went back of the car, driving along, and I was like, Mum, what does sex feel like? Oh, what a curly question. Curly question. Could have said a lot of things, right? Could have been like, oh, don't you worry about that. Shame. You know, didn't. And she went, with the right person, nice. Great answer. Great answer. Yeah. Because with the right person, nice. She wasn't like, oh, babe, you wait. (laughs) (laughs) You're gonna love it. (laughs) But, you know, she didn't shame me in any way. And I was sitting back there going, huh, nice. And I was just thinking... How could it be, though? Yeah, right. Someone's going to put what in where? But anyway, I thought she just nailed that. Absolutely. Go Janma, go! Go Janma. So I'll be using that one, maybe. Yeah, I think that's lovely. I have a friend whose dad fucked up the talk so bad with an analogy. What did he do? He just got really analogous and was like, a woman is like a field. Like Like a field of crops. And you... Fly a plane oh, Jesus. over that field and drop seed. And he's sitting there going, what, what do I have to do? Like, what do I have to fly? I have to get my pilot license? <laughs> a crop how? <laughs> like, so bad. Oh, man. Oh, dear. I've had the sex talk once with Teddy and three times with Isla already. How did you explain it to them? Well, the first time my husband jumped in and nailed it was when I was pregnant with Ted. Well, she's like, how's the baby going to get out? And he's like, out mummy's vagina. Like, just jumped straight in. I was like, there you go. That's the truth. And then she's like, how did it get in? And he just did the same thing. He's like, well, you know, daddy puts his penis in mummy's vagina and that's how you make a baby. And she was like, huh, can I have some tiny teddies? <laughs> like, it was just no big deal. Oh, I love that. So we've t- I've, And she's asked me a couple of times. I've just told her. The same thing? The same thing. Yeah. It's a pretty classic response, but it's so cute. One time she went, so you've done that twice? <laughs> oh, soz babe. Oh. Hate to break it to you, Eilie, but... Done it a couple of times. I remember... My mum had this great book. It was like the body book and it was one of my favourite books and it kind of explained it for me in that and she just read it to me and I was like, yeah, cool. 
Is that the where the babies come from? No, it wasn't. It was a. I'll have to try and find it. It was great. Sex was just one chapter. Yeah, and right. Making babies was one chapter. There was a whole heap of other stuff about the heart, yep. your brain, everything in between. So it was quite comprehensive. So if you had this excellent book, how did you work out that your stomach had different shelves and when you ate different foods, they would be filed onto different shelves? Because, dear listeners, that's what Gemma thought for a long time into her life. Thought or chose to think. <laughs> okay. That's just an insight into your beautiful child imagination. Yeah, I just thought it would be really cute if I like ate a broccoli and it was like, woohoo, down the esophagus and then into my stomach and then finding its fellow broccoli friends on a shelf. And it's like, yay, more broccoli friends. I'm worried you didn't have real friends. (laughs) (laughs) That your brain had to invent these things. I've got a wild imagination. Mm -hmm. Get your head out of the gutter, Rev. (laughs) Do you know what I don't have time for? What don't you have time for? Craig McLaughlin. Fucking me neither. Oh, I've, I, but I've got time to whinge about it on Whinge FM. Seriously. I feel ragey. Yeah. Now, I know this isn't new on the news. Yeah. This has been ongoing for a couple of years, but Channel 7 recently aired, a, it was like a Craig McLaughlin finally reveals his side of the story. For our dear listeners who don't have any context for this, Craig McLaughlin is a huge actor, music theatre performer in Australia. He was on Neighbours. He was most famously for that. And he's had a very long and fruitful career. Always worked. Yes. I think he was huge in the UK too. He was Joseph in Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat when I saw that when I was like 10. So leading man material. Leading man. Good looking. Been on soaps. Always on the hot lists in those 90s magazines. Yes. So that's the picture there of who he is. In 2017, some women bravely came out to share that they had been at the receiving end of sexual harassment and sexual misconduct by him whilst working with him on the Rocky Horror Show. Now, first of all, I feel like we're not journalists. We're not journalists. But I'm still scared that we could potentially get sued for defamation. Okay. Because he is suing one of the Oh, he's a, he is on a tirade at the moment. He's trying to do this redemption story and then he's hitting hard at everyone. And Rebs and I feel particularly enraged because we know some of the people yeah. in this story. Yes, full disclosure, we know people directly or also indirectly. Some of the women who are involved in this story, we have a lot of industry friends who have worked with him, you know. We know people. We've heard the stories. We heard them for years, years before any of this came out. Yes. We do need to say right off the bat that Craig McLaughlin has been acquitted. Of all charges. Of all charges. And we also want to come on the record and say that we stand by the victims. Absolutely. We believe them. We believe you. Hi, guys. Just jumping in from the editing room. As previously mentioned, Revs and I are not journalists, but we are fully aware that we mention the victims in this episode without using the word alleged. We realise that now that Craig McLaughlin has been acquitted, that we can no longer refer to them as victims and have to refer to them as alleged victims. So this is just my statement to say that when we refer to the victims in direct reference to Craig McLaughlin's story, that we mean alleged victims. So so let's go back to the Channel 7 expose. 90 minutes as well. It An was... hour and a half. I mean, I didn't watch it. 
I honestly didn't want him to have any airtime in my head. Yeah. And I just thought, what are you playing at Channel 7? I will admit, I watched the first half an hour and I was so angry. Mm. Like, it was visceral for me. I was honestly pacing in my living room with this blasting on the TV, almost like some sort of wildebeest, just getting angrier and angrier by the minute. First of all, Channel 7 sensationalized this. Yeah. They turned it into some... For a minute there, I thought I was watching like a cheesy American over-the-top sob story. It was so not Australian. Mm. Like, we're quite grounded, I think, in how we deliver news. Let's dramatise it and let's use all this weird dramatic music and we'll cut to a sign in lights. But instead of saying Rocky Horror Show, it'll just say Horror Show. You know, all that shit. (laughs) And it, like, opened with Craig McLaughlin doing this chat-to-camera video. The whole thing. Why was he doing those? Hadn't he been doing video diaries since it all started or whatever? Yeah, because I think he's always planned for this redemption story. It's diabolical. It is diabolical. One of the things that they say, because I know, Revzy, you didn't watch it, but they say to him, but where there's smoke, there's fire, Mm -hmm. right? Now, I'm a big believer in that saying. Yeah. I I truly believe that, yes, where there's smoke, there's fire. Of course, there's always exceptions to this, but for the most part, if we look at the three women who bravely came forward and spoke, you and I know one of them very dearly. Yeah. Her reputation is squeaky. Oh, she's, yeah. She is goodness to the core. Yeah. No one thinks ill of her. No No one has like a whole heap of stories of her being some attention seeking, drama creating person. No, she's authentic and real. Yes. And Craig McLaughlin goes on about this sob story of I've lost everything and my life was destroyed. And he kind of points the finger at the camera and says, men. This could happen to you. That is a tale as old as time. That is the ammunition that the patriarchy used to scare people to side with them. Yes. Because they think, well, if this could happen to me, it could happen to anyone. But Ugh. it couldn't happen to anyone if you don't assault anyone, if you don't harass anyone at work, it's not going to happen to you. Yeah. How many times do we need to hear the statistics of false allegations? It's 1%. Less than. Is can it? I can I read you some? We should actually get stats on this. No, I've actually prepared Great. some. Excellent. Because that's how mad because we're journalists (laughs) (laughs) so tell me after i read you this stat what incentivizes women to come forward yeah okay so in 2018 52,396 women reported sexual assault to police now out of those 52,000 49,000 were accepted for investigation do you know how many charges were laid out of those 49,000 that were accepted for investigation? 12,894. Now, out of those charges laid, only 7,629 went to court. Oh, my God. And out of those 7,629, 3,827 were found guilty. So 52,000 women reported sexual assault and 3,827 men were found guilty. So on what planet does a woman go, I'm going to feel supported by the system. Yeah. I'm going to come forward and share my story. They don't. They don't. And what I hate is that Craig McLaughlin accused those three women of being fame hungry and money hungry. Yeah. And when he says, I've lost everything, all he really means is I've lost my fame and my money. And the only reason why he's saying that is because, because he got exposed. He hasn't lost everything. He hasn't lost his house. He's still married. Yes, he's not 
not working and he shouldn't be working because if anyone at any level in any workplace behaved like he behaved, they should not be in the workplace. They're not fit to be a part of a team in a workplace. But it's interesting because he says that his reputation was marred and tarnished and so he hasn't been able to get work. So he got acquitted in 2020. We're now nearly halfway into 2021 and he was doing this sob story about he's never been hired even though he's been acquitted. Nah, mate. The reason why you're not getting hired isn't because people don't want to hire someone who has been acquitted of sexual assault. I say this carefully, but there is truth to the there's no such thing as bad publicity. Someone could hire him, put him front and center in a musical and get bums on seats. They would because there's people who love a redemption story and they'd want to come and see Craig McLaughlin live almost from a pervy perspective of like, how's he doing? Da da da. I want to see the cracks, all that kind of stuff. I think probably the people at the top, the people who are doing the hiring, are just getting scared now. They're like, oh, we probably can't have someone who's going to cause a scandal and shut down a show and then we're going to have to pay out all these compensations. It's probably more of that decision, I reckon. You and I both know this is not a new thing. We have been in these industries. This is rampant. It's the women who are in the less senior roles or sometimes the top senior roles who are preyed on. And then if they want to say something and come forward, it is said to them, do you want to do this to your career? It was said to me. Yeah. It was said to me. I don't think I'm going to name anyone, but I got a job with one of the most reputable theatre companies in Australia. Got the job, signed it all, got a phone call from the director who said, quote unquote, you know... I did really want you on this show, but it's such a male story. I really think I need a male assistant director on this one. Gross. Actual words. And I was like, okay. Went to a mentor of mine, told them what had gone down. And he said to me, but what are you going to do? Sue one of three potential employers? And I was like, so I can't do anything about this. Like I had a job and now I don't have a job because I'm a woman. Yeah. And he was like, well, you were powerless. What What are you going to do about yeah. it? I know. It's awful. It's awful. And that's not even assault. That's just sexism. Yeah. The things that have been said to me and female colleagues of mine in the theatre industries, on film sets, on TV sets, at voiceovers, at auditions, it's deplorable, disgusting. The amount of men in the industry who've tried to kiss or touch or show people inappropriate material or and then to just turn around and steal their ideas, take their jobs, give them the shit theatre or the shit budget or whatever. I, I've seen too much of it. I'm so sceptical about any true change unless people like Craig McLaughlin become held accountable and risky as a business move. Oh, right. I see what you mean. Do you know yes, what I mean? Yes, and it's yes. risky now because there is a reckoning happening. It's fucking slow. I don't like the pace at which it's going. If you look at Canberra, like what a fucking mess. Australia is not a good place for women at the moment. But until these people become risky business decisions, nothing actually changes. Yeah, but bad behavior gets rewarded in the entertainment industry. It just does. I know too many stories from reputable, credible sources, people who have worked directly with particular people in Hollywood, and I'm talking big budget movies, where their behavior is disgusting, Disgusting. but the executive producers let them get away with it because it's all about that bottom line. It's about getting bums on seats, into cinemas, paying. And that's why I'm not against cancel culture, to be honest. I'm actually not. I am and I'm not. Yeah, I know. I know you've got mixed feelings. I do. I do have mixed feelings feelings about cancel culture. I've been on sets before where I haven't been on top of the call sheet. I'm not the big celebrity draw card. 
and you fall into this hierarchy and there is so much power play mm. that goes on mm-hmm. from the goose that lays the golden egg totally. for production. It is awful. And you have to remember, I'm going to generalize here, but male actors, and I've dated one. Mm. I know this shit. I've dated a couple. <laughs> you have, Rev. <laughs> that's true. There is a hell of a lot of ego that comes with it. Yeah. And also, they are some of the most vulnerable Fragile. and insecure people yeah. I have ever met. Often, yes. They seek validation like no one else. And I firmly believe that Craig McLaughlin playing Frankenfurter yeah. in the Rocky Horror Show. I mean, this is the tricky thing about a creative work, right? So the Rocky Horror Show is famously overtly sexual of, of a course. show. They're all wearing lingerie. It's very titillating. It's kind of the whole brand of the show. And I actually saw that production and it was extra over the top camp and sexual. But it's a workplace. And this is, I guess, what people who aren't in that industry would say, oh, that's really tricky. But it's not tricky. You're there to do a job and play that role. And then it ends. And yeah, there might be giggles and things on set. And it might be fun, you know, as a mood. But Revs, I feel like you're coming from the perspective of director. Yeah. I'm a, I've been an actor. Yeah. Lines get blurred. Yeah. Things go off screen or off stage and onto backstage and in the green room behavior that continues yeah i have been involved in so many projects where so much misconduct happened and it was just brushed over like no big deal i worked on a film once where i had a sex scene you won't actually find that movie because it never made it to the big screens but the director was an amateur and i knew in my heart that that set should have been a closed set with a skeleton crew and that didn't happen. Were you naked? I, yeah, I was naked. I was 21. Wow. And I remember feeling like, I know this isn't right, but I don't feel like I should say anything. I don't want to be a difficult actor. I don't, you know, all of those thoughts. And I just went ahead with it. And it was fine, but it actually it went against protocol, standard yeah. protocol. But I didn't feel confident to be no. able to speak up about it. Because you feel lucky to be there. Oh, like you've been chosen and you don't want to be difficult because they can easily replace you. All you're ever told is you'll be easily replaced. Yes. And that is absolutely part of what happened with these cast members of the Rocky Horror Show. Yep. You know, one of them was the star, but no one's star is, was as bright as Craig McLaughlin, international TV sensation, who was the total golden goose, as you said, of the show. They weren't going to replace him. No. Were they? They can replace the other cast members. Now, he also argues that the three women became bitter because they didn't get cast in the, the tour. Yeah. And so he claims that they were bitter about it. Hello. Why would they take that out on him? But also, actors, music theatre performers... We, we're used to being out of work. Yeah. We're okay when we don't get picked for a job or whatever. Like, we don't suddenly go, oh, fuck, I'm unemployed. I need to get money. Yeah. I'm going to go after Craig McLaughlin. Let's create conspiracy about a sex scandal. It's conspiracy. That's the perfect word. He's trying to whip up conspiracy when, in this case, absolutely, where there's smoke, there's fire. Four of your colleagues point the finger at you and say you've acted inappropriately in the workplace. You fucking did. <laughs> yeah. One of my dear friend's husband, Tim Madron, he's one of the people who has come forward and said Craig has threatened him. Tim, if you were ever to look through an encyclopedia and the word is a nice guy, yeah. a photo of Tim would be there. Yeah. Like he wouldn't hurt a fly. He is the sweetest person ever. And I 
believe him yeah. when he says that. I believe all of them. I believe all victims, actually. If you say believe women, you have to believe women. And you have to start from a place of believing them. Now, I know that could sound really threatening to people who are like, but what if someone makes it up? And of course, of course, there have been instances where people make things up. But you have to start from a place of believing them. Because why? Why would anyone put themselves on the line, their career, their reputation, drag their family through the mud? And these these victims are not getting a right of reply now. He gets the last word. Oh, it kills Thanks me. Thanks to this 90-minute Channel 7 special. When I was watching this sob story and he's like, I have lost everything. My life has been destroyed. I was like, mate, their lives were destroyed years ago. And Revs and I have been across this story before it broke. For we years. were all talking about it for yeah. years. And when it finally came to surface, we were like, thank God he's finally getting what was always coming for him. Yeah, But no, apparently not. But no, he got acquitted. And do you know what really pisses me off? The judge, she said, I believe you. I know. And you're so brave for coming forwards, but I'm still going to acquit him. Yeah, because of the legal situation. Imagine that. Imagine. Imagine a judge saying to you, hey, Kate, I believe you. But, but unfortunately, the law is going to fall in favour of him on this occasion. Because it's not set up for women. There has to be a systematic change. Look, I will say happily, this is one of how many stories do you reckon we know about men in this industry? So many. Some of them have come out and been public and we know they're true. We've witnessed some of this behavior on some of these men. I reckon we would know 50, 60 stories of men in the theater, film and television industry who have perpetrated acts like this from assault, harassment, right through to rape. And you'll never hear about it because the system is not set up for the victims to bring any of this to light because not only will they have to rehash it, everything and relive the trauma of what happened to them, but then that becomes their identity. Yeah. And they don't deserve to have this as their identity. Just like if you were hit by a car, you wouldn't want your whole life to be defined by your car accident. This should not define them going into a professional or personal settings. And that's what it does. Yeah. That is what it does. It becomes like a scarlet letter. Yeah, it's awful. One of the things Craig McLaughlin said in the interview that also made me ragey was he's like, I'm living in post-Harvey Weinstein Me Too madness. Fuck off. And he goes, who's going to listen to me? I didn't stand a chance. It's like the reason why those women (laughs) finally came out is because... They felt emboldened by the international movement. Yes, they felt empowered too. Finally felt empowered too. I feel so sorry for for you, Craig McLaughlin. <laughs> Predatory, egomaniacal, power-trippy bullshit. I'm just sick of it. I'm so sick of it. I'm devastated for all women who've ever had to come forward through this fucked up system and drag themselves through the shit just to try and help other women and seek a little bit of justice for what they've endured. Something has got to change. It has to. I do think workplace behavior, I hope, is now starting to change because I know that there's this thing about, oh, so we're not allowed any like cheeky banter and to create that work culture of fun. It's not that fucking hard. If you have to get rid of a little cheeky banter to stop people getting raped, so I'll be take it. it, you know? So be Chill it. Chill out. Yeah. <laughs> Find your own spots to have your cheeky banter with a receptive audience, you know? You don't bring that shit to work. Absolutely not. And we know that this is not unique to the entertainment industry. This is in all industries. This happens up and down in 
you name it, name any kind of industry and you will find this kind of behavior. I guess it's just so intensified when there's star power and box office and things like that in the mix. But, you know, again, if someone's writing your paycheck and they're treating you like shit, you know, you're under the thumb. Yeah. You feel utterly powerless I have, to speak. I have giggled at many a terrible joke to keep my job. Oh, so have I. I have giggled off some deplorable behavior from fellow castmates before. Older castmates who were being really inappropriate with me. And I did that classic female thing. Don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to embarrass them. You know yeah. that behavior where yeah. it's like, this is really awkward. I should say something, but I don't want them to feel uncomfortable about me calling out what yeah, they're because doing. because what happens when men get embarrassed? They get angry. angry. They get ragey. They get violent. Defensive. Something, something changes in their eyes. Let me tell you a little anecdote. I was directing a show once with mostly male cast and I had one particular actor who was quite volatile and I was giving him notes on the preview, which is the night before opening night. He walked extra close to me, went up on his haunches so that he was above me, looked down at me and went, I'm not going to do that note. And I can tell you something changed in his eyes. It was like he turned into an animal. I felt threatened. I felt scared. Mm. And you know what? I went, okay, I won't. You do what you want. I'm not putting my physical safety, you know? And yeah. I was I was in the position of power over him. Yeah, you were the director. But I wasn't because I was the woman and he's a man. Yeah. You know, and he was terrifying. I just kept away from him. Would I do that now? No. I would probably try and pull rank and fire him. <laughs> yeah, right. I yeah. would. Yeah, I'd probably good. fire him. But, you know, at the time I was 25. Yeah. You know, I was trying to prove my way in a really hard industry where no one wanted me to prove my way. You know, I was clawing my way up and I copped that. I And I laughed off a lot of comments when I was an assistant director. A lot. Sexually inappropriate comments from people in high positions of power. Just, you would die if you knew who it was. The other thing I wanted to point out that a lot of news coverage on the Craig McLaughlin interview backlash is that he has raw footage of the victim's interviews and it goes, what? yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, how? I don't know how, but he's obtained it. So one of our girlfriends who bravely got up and interviewed, there's a moment where she's reliving the threatening things that he did to her. And then after she finishes speaking, she kind of breaks out of the moment and goes, oh, sorry, I got really dramatic there, but I just feel so much rage about it. And they took that snippet to highlight that Ugh. she was an actress Fuck off. to show her on-camera moment and then her off-camera moment. And then it cuts to Craig McLaughlin's wife saying, and they're actors like this. And he's an actor. Yeah, but that's pointed out as well because it gets noted that he, that people have said that he's an actor and that he's putting a performance. And then his wife pipes up and says, well, can't we reverse this as well and say those three women are actors too? Whether you're an actor or not, there's still a production. There's still a camera in your face yeah. and lights on you and you're being asked to relive a moment. Yeah. And there's a way that every human being, yeah. actor or not, changes when you're on camera yes. versus when you're not. And there's a pressure to deliver. It's how reality TV works. Exactly. Yeah. But they were using that against the girls to be like, see, they were performing. No, they weren't performing. They just knew, I need to get this right. I need to get my yeah. messaging clear. I've got one chance. I need to pull it together. Yes, I need to speak in sound bites, but those sound bites are my truth. Yeah. 
Yeah, and nothing is harder than trying to be credible when you think no one thinks you're credible. Yeah. Or when everyone thinks you're lying and you're trying to tell the truth. Like, it's that is so difficult. Oh, Revs, you'd be so ragey if you saw it. Because I, I can see I, I can see, see what the what Channel 7 were trying to do with this footage. Sorry, I don't know how those producers can look themselves in the mirror to, to run a story like that. What, just for ratings? But also there's one moment where a producer says off camera, we just need a grab of you saying this. Yeah. And she kind of gives an example of what to say. And then someone behind camera goes, oh, we shouldn't put words in her mouth. And then it cuts to what she says. And they didn't put words in her mouth. She framed it in her own language, in her own words. But that doesn't mean that she was a puppet. So where's the raw footage of the Craig McLaughlin interview? Would it be any different? Were there not producers there saying, oh, we need this grab for an ad? Or that's just how you make TV. Yeah. And sometimes the sound cuts out. Yeah. Um, a fly buzzes into the room. Like yeah. there's a whole heap of things. And a producer would go, sorry, can you just say that again? Yes. Like it happens all the time. But the way. How did that, you get the raw footage? I don't know. Like someone obviously leaked, leaked it. leaked it. Yeah. Unacceptable. Yeah. There should disgusting. be industry standards around that. Yeah. Oh, I'm getting ragey. I feel like I'm on a rage train and I can't get off. Hey, if we are ragey about this, then the dear listeners are too. So. Oh, for sure. But can I just say, but another thing that has to change, and I mean across all media delivery of this kind of information, is the term violence against women. Okay. We have to call it what it is. It's men's violence against women. Yeah. When you hear the term yeah. violence against women, yeah. do you imagine it's because a staffy? came out and bit a yeah. woman no what do you imagine yeah a man brutalizing a woman yes yeah so why aren't we calling it what it is men's violence yes yeah. men's violence yeah. against women yeah. i'm sick of it being called domestic violence or violence against women yeah no, it's no, so no. palatable no, no, no. isn't it women aren't being violent against women yeah. in this instance we are talking about men being violent against women. Yeah. And I firmly believe that the patriarchy is too scared. Yeah, just call it what it is. To call it what it is. Because we don't want to say all men. Oh my God. Because the, the fear is that if you say men's violence against women, it's like a blanket term and it's all men. And then all men should be fearful and we're coming for all of you men. Just be a grown up. There's nuance. There's yeah. nuance in it. But we use women in the term violence against women as yeah. if to cover all women. Because guess what? All women have to protect ourselves. Yeah. We got, we exist in society with this awareness and fear of something shit being done to us. Yeah. Whether it's sexual assault or yeah. being physically abused by a man. We do. Guess yeah. what? That is our reality. Yes. There was this great thing, not so great, but there was this thing that went around on Instagram about how every woman has ran down a dark alley fast. Yeah. Or taken out her earbuds to walk home. Taken out her earbuds to Changed walk home. Changed her shoes. Or rounded a corner and held keys in their hands. Yeah. All or done laughed that. off an inappropriate comment for fear of the ragey look in a man's eyes. Yeah. How many times have you done that? Stayed on a bad date because you didn't want them to feel bad, even though you felt something was off and your instincts were going crazy. So let me ask this. Are men doing that? I'm sure there's a percentage of men who say, no, I exist in society and walk down a dark alley and pick up my pace because I'm scared of a group of men. men. <laughs> Like, that is the common denominator here. Yeah. So call it what it is. It's men's violence against women. Yeah. You, you put it perfectly. It's more palatable to just say violence against women. Yeah. No. A or fucking, domestic violence. Yeah. Domestic violence. Oh, yeah, a coffee table leapt out at me and <laughs> broke my leg. No, I feel 
angry. Yeah, I just, I'm so sick of talking about it. And yes. I don't know what to say to family members or people in social situations who make a flippant comment about like, well, it's a he said, she said, or something like that. I don't even know what to do with that anymore because I see red and I get so upset and I just can't not start attacking. Yeah. And that's not a very social and fun way to live. No. But I, I, I can't casually laugh off any more of those comments. I was going to say, we can't be casual about these topics anymore. No. It is still going on. A woman is killed by someone she knows and loves once a week. That's disgusting. It's an epidemic. It's a fucking problem. So all of our fears are warranted. Yes. They just are. And it starts with harassment, abuse, assault, a weird look in the eyes. That's how it starts. Yeah, intimidation. So it does matter and people should lose everything if they're going to behave that way. Yeah. Well, um, if you've made it this far, (laughs) would you like a not sponsored? I've got something really light. (laughs) (laughs) Well... Gosh, when we uh, when we get in these moods, there's no stopping us. No. But we can only share where we're at on the podcast. We can only show up as we are. You'll be glad to know next week we have a psychic coming on. <gasps> we do. We do. We just thought we'd just mix it up a little bit. We're going to get a psychic. She's widely renowned as just bang on. And she's going to come on and do live readings of Jem and I on the podcast so you can hear our futures. <laughs> I'm sure the dear listeners are like, awesome. No, are you <laughs> kidding? People love a psychic. People love a psychic. There'll be the skeptics who are like, all right, I'll listen begrudgingly and yeah. try and find all the faults and all the holes and the gaps in her delivery. Well, we're going to tell her nothing. <laughs> And she's not heard the podcast before and she's going to come on and do some readings for us. So that is going to be super, super fun. Can't wait. Cannot wait. Bit of a gear shift from this week anyway. Look, we've got no format. Nah. Okay. Just like this episode, we went rogue and dark. So can I give you a beauty product not sponsored? What? Oh, come on. But you've never done that before. All right. Fuck you. <laughs> Gosh, this is so refreshing, Rebs. Oh, wow. Look at you go. Okay, guys, I've got a foundation. Now... At my work, I have been lucky enough to try Chanel Foundation, Armani, YSL, Tom Ford. Have some of those on my vanity. But I wear every day a $15 supermarket foundation and it is bomb, isn't it? It is. You do look great. You look look fresh. I look poreless. You do. I look 14 and poreless. Is it that or is it the bobo? No, I'm due. Oh, you're due? Yeah, I'm going tomorrow. Am I coming? Do you want to come? Well, I I want to try it. Yeah, come. I can't. Got both kids. I'll, I'll hold them while they jab your face. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah, come. Oh God, no, 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 no. You're never gonna do it. <laughs> I've been putting it off. It. I'm too lazy. No, it don't, you don't have to be lazy. You just turn up and they jab you, and it's done. I act like I care, but I think deep down I just can't be bothered. Well, we'll get you there up. eventually. We'll get you there. Anyway. My foundation. It is Maybelline Fit Me. I'm a shade 22. Not that that means anything to anyone. Just work it out in the supermarket. But it lasts ages. Look, if you like full coverage, and I do, I know it's not the trend. People like skinimalism at the moment. and love a tinted moisturizer or whatever. Not me. I don't want to see a pore. I don't want to see a line. I don't want to see the dark circles that my children have inflicted on my face. So I like a good, you know, theater makeup for everyday use. Well, considering you said that it is full coverage and theatrical makeup, I have to say it doesn't look like no, that. That's why I'm it's looking so good. at you in real life and yes. I'm like, damn, girl, your skin looks smooth and fresh. Yes, but it's full coverage liquid foundation. I get the 
the Matt and Paulus one. There's also a dewy one as well if you prefer Ooh. dewy. But I like to go Matt and Paulus and then add the dew with like a highlighter. Anyway, Maybelline fit me. 15 bucks at Priceline. Okay, you're not spawny is quite timely okay. because I deviated from my usual foundation this week, oh. which is totally unlike me. Yes. So I have been full-blown committed to Giorgio Armani's Luminous Silk yes. since Neighbours. I think that's the people's favorite foundation. All the people in beauty love that. It feels so good to put on your skin. It's light but has buildable coverage. Yeah. But it's $90 a bottle. Yeah. So on a whim decided to give Emco Beauty a go. Oh yeah, the supermarket. And I gave it a go with such skepticism. Yeah. I was working against it. Okay. I was like squirting it into my hand being like, look at you cheap and nasty foundation. This isn't going to work. This isn't going to freaking work. And I put it on my face and I was like, oh damn. <laughs> oh damn. And the more I spread it, the more I was like, oh, I'm looking 20 and 17 and, and 13. <laughs> I'm getting younger by the second. <laughs> when brands are everywhere, spray gun tactic, all over the internet, all over the social media, I have that thing in me kind of like when you discover an indie underground band yeah. and you're like a diehard fan and then they go mainstream and yep. they're all over the radio and you're like, I'm not into you anymore. You, you became like too popular. I liked you when I felt like I had discovered this secret amazing band and I was the one spreading the word. Now everyone's spreading the word about you. Well, that's why I gave Emco Beauty a go because I got hashtag influenced by everyone on the interwebs and despite my skepticism, I'm a fucking convert. So wait, are we recommending two different foundations? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, I guess you, it's really time to declare if you're on Gem Shmem or Kate the Great team. I hate how good that Emco foundation is, but my bank account loves it. Yeah, because how much? It's I like, don't know. I think it's a similar price point yeah. to the Fit Me. It's like $15, $20. It's around there. And is it full coverage? It is such full coverage. Uh, have you got it's, it on right now? I do. Yeah, it looks great. Yeah, it does, it looks great. It? Well, there you go. Two supermarket foundations who are not sponsored. <laughs> that wasn't my plan for my not sponsored this week. What was your plan? Chuck it in. No, I'm going to save the one that I planned for next week. How are dear listeners going to decide? They're going to be standing in the foundation aisle at Woolies and being like, well, do I go with Gems Emco or do I go with Kate's Fit Me? Like, what do I do? Gemco. Gemco <laughs> Revzeline. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't quite work. Well, put it this way. If you've got olive skin, go with the Emco. Emco. Yeah. If you've got shit Caucasian skin, <laughs> hey, kidding. If you've got tired mum skin and you look like something that has been dragged up out of a drain, give Maybelline Fit Me a go. <laughs> Everyone's gonna go your way. <laughs> Let's be honest. The majority of dear listeners are mums, and our skin is sad, sad, tired, and dry at the moment. So dry. So dry. Tis the season. I go to bed like a snail these days. I'm like got three layers of moisturizer and oil all over me and I just like slowly creep into bed like it's a coffin and lie there and I'm like please make me look slightly hydrated in the morning <laughs> cue the outro one of these days we'll have an outro to our podcast